it, Red Arms. Give it your all. We'll drink the wine till the cup is dry and kiss the girls on down the cry and toss the dice until we fly and dance with Jack of the Shadows. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Tales of Red Arm. I'm your host, Justin. And today we are jumping into chapter 32, Dangerous Words. But just before we jump into that full head on, um, we're going to do a little quick recap. So, um, in episode, or last episode, I guess, <laughs> the chapter 31, um, we get the official get-together with the group, Ingtar, Varen, Perrin, and... Uno and Matt and all the group end up coming to Kyrian and now they've kind of gathered everybody, shuffled them to a another inn, I guess. I like to say tavern, but it's actually an inn. And essentially they talk about like, oh, what do we do? What do we like? What are we, how are we going to find it? And we get word that, you know, from here and that Barthanus's manor is hosting the current dark friends via smell. So, um, what ends up happening is they make plans. Like we're going to have to get in there. How are we going to do that? Well, we're going to have to get some, get an invitation somehow. And, Oh, well, we already got one. He's like, you what now? He's like, oh, we got one. It's like, okay, this will, this will do nicely. All right. We'll, uh, just pop in and introduce ourselves. We'll surprise them. They won't see it coming. And so, you know, we're starting out in chapter 32, being caught up um, with basically the group spotting Lord Barthonus's manor. And it's a huge manor, like the size of a small fortress, maybe even a large fortress. It's a big, it's a big manor got walls outbuildings a whole bunch of things but it's it's got windows everywhere it's like a glass house essentially um and they notice the sounds of music and laughter and rands still sees guards moving on tower tops along the roof walks you know he's loaded he's protected it's not something you want to really go to war with um and no windows are particularly close to the ground, so it's pretty high up. But he gets off of Red, his horse, and, you know, adjusts his sword belt, smooths his coat. Um, everybody else dis dismounts around him. You know, they're at these stairs get leading up into the manor, and there are ten Shinarans that are under Uno as the escort for the party, and... Uno exchanged some nods with Ingtar before joining the men uh, that are also escorting their groups, whether they be nobles or whatever. And they're getting provided with ale and apparently a whole ox. So the rest of the Shinarans were left behind with Perrin. Um, anyone who showed up had to have a purpose, according to Varen Sedai. And Perrin had no purpose. And for the dignity of nobles and whatnot, uh, you need to have an escort. But more than 10 would be a little bit suspicious. Um, Rand had to be there because he had the invitation, obviously. Ingtar had to come because he had a bit of prestige with his title. And Loyal's there because, well, Ogier are just really popular with noble, noblemen, uh, noblewomen, etc. Um, and pretty much it's kind of obvious that everyone's going to want to talk to him. It's going to add prestige <laughs> and all these other things to it. So Huron's obviously going to pretend to be Ingtar's body servant. Um but he's supposed to actually sniff out, you know, dark friends and trollocs, the usual stuff you'd expect from a sniffer. <laughs> well, murderers, I guess, would be the normal thing you would normally expect from them. Um, and the Horn of Valyria should be somewhere nearby. 
Matt is grumbling that he has to pretend to be Rand's servant because he can sense the dagger when he gets nearby it. And if Huron couldn't get, couldn't sense the dark friends of the Trollocs, maybe the dagger would lead him to the dark friends and the Trollocs, or at least the very least the dark friends. And then Rand's like, well, why are you coming? Asking Varen. And she's like, well, to keep the rest of you out of trouble. And they're climbing up the stairs. And Matt's like, I don't know why I'd be a servant. If Ren can be a lord, I could put on a fancy coat too. But Varen's like, well, a servant can go places other men cannot. And many nobles will not even see them. You and Huron have your tasks. And Charles like, be quiet now, Matt. Unless you want to give us away. I know, a classic line. A classic line that everybody loves and appreciates. Um, so they get closer and closer, and there's about six guards there with the tree and crown of the house Damodred on their chests, and about an equal number of that in green livery with the tree and crown on their sleeves. And, you know, Rand takes a deep breath, gives him the invitation, He's like, I am Lord Rand, Althor, uh, Lord Rand of House Althor. He said all in a rush to get it over with. And these are my guests. Varen Aes Sedai of the Brown Aja, Lording Tar of House Shinawa in Shinar, Loyal, son of Errant, son of Holland, from Steading Shangtai. Loyal didn't want the Steading additional stuff left in there, but Varen's like, well, we gotta have every bit of formality we can have. So the servant reached for the invitation with a little bow, uh, kind of jerked every time um, somebody was added to that list, and especially popped at Varen's. And he's like, Be welcome to House Demodred, my lords. Be welcome, I stay. Friend Ogier. And then, you know, brings the servants, like, Open the doors, open the doors, and they go in. But there's a, a man who had come out, and he seems to be a... Um, not, like a chamberlain, uh, I guess a steward, something of that nature, where they do the announcements and also are like in charge of them. Uh, more tasks than the average typical servant in terms of hierarchy. And he's like, huh, I am called Ashin, you know, please follow me. So Ashin leads them to a great room filled with nobles while the outside hallways just got only servants there's a juggler performing on one side and tumblers on the other side you get music and voices all coming from all over the place and they're not the only guests or the only entertainments and the nobles stand in small groups of two threes and fours and then Occasionally with men and women together, sometimes only one or the other, but with a careful space between them so no one would overhear what was said. So basically little pockets of nobility, you know, scattered around the, the, the floor. And it's a massive room, obviously, because he's a quite wealthy, um, quite wealthy noble. And then we get to learn some, I guess, cultural of... Uh, noble houses, some cultural attire by, you know, the guests are wearing the dark Kyrenian colors but with bright stripes at least halfway down uh, his or her chest. Some have them all the way to their waists. Women had their hair piled high in elaborate towers of curls, everyone different, and their dark skirts were so wide that they would have to turn sideways to pass through any doorway narrower than those of the manor. Imagine coming home after late after night. <laughs> That's quite the party. Now, this next part I thought was rather interesting because of the culture of Kyrian. This next part is none of the men had the shaved heads of soldiers. So, culturally, soldiers shave their heads. Don't ask me why. It doesn't really elaborate. Just that soldiers shave their heads so when you see a Kyrian soldier you're presuming a shaved head maybe with the exception of some officers but even then some officers might do it 
depending on if they're actual soldiers or if they're just more or less, you know, nepotists or something. So actual soldiers by the, I mean, like those who go quote unquote, get in the trenches in warfare, not those who just look like they're fancy. So it might not apply to, you know, guards and other things of that nature. But they're all wearing dark velvet hats on long hair. Some of them even shaped like bells, others flat. In the women, they have lace ruffles like dark ivory almost hit, hiding their hands. So Ashen approaches this big room and taps his staff on the ground and announces them in a loud voice, but first with Varen Aes Sedai. That draws every single person to there, and Varen's wearing her brown fringe straw shawl, not straw, <laughs> shawl, and uh, this is very typical of Aes Sedai for the most part, especially those who are trying to be as public as possible, to wear their whatever color Aja fringe straw shawl. Sorry, I'm not be able to talk today. <coughs> Excuse me. Um. But then there's a murmur going throughout the room and the lords and ladies are all, you know, Ooh, and even the juggler drops one of his hoops, but no one was watching him any longer. Loyal got a lot of looks too, before Ashen even said anything like, Ooh, an Ogier. So pretty much the attire that Loyal shows up in is not quite as fancy as Rand, but fairly nice nonetheless. And the colorization is a bit different, so it looks a little stark next to uh, the Kyrianon. But Rand and Ingtar's swords draw a lot of attention because none of the lords appear to be armed, which is safe to say that most lords would prefer their retinue or their escort to do the fighting for them not to do their own dirty work I guess but outlander lords are different they have different cultures and different ways they do things so it's acceptable or expected that they're going to be the weird ones by the Kyrian standards but Rand here is about Heronmark Blade gets glances and whatnot, but some look like frowns, and he's probably thinking that they, those frowns are from the people he insulted by burning their invitations. But those guys aren't going to make any moves since Rand is a guest of Lord Barthanus, and Lord Barthanus would probably crush anybody who tried to touch his guest. Especially if he becomes a potential ally, you wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of that coin. So, a man approaches. He's slim and handsome. Um, he has long graying hair, a multi-hued stripe set across his deep gray coat. And his neck, almost to him, was just above his knees. And... This is a funny uh, phrase because he stands out, and I mean that literally as a pun and as literal translation. He is extremely tall for a Kyrianan, no more than half a head shorter than Rand. That's tall. Like, really tall. But to make it even better, the way he is standing makes him even seem or appear taller than that so this chin up so he seems to look be, be looking down on everyone which we all know that from classic um, renaissance medieval type things that people have made whether it be movies or anything of that nature um the snobs that you know they look up they have their chin up so high that they drown when it rains you know <laughs> so can i guess um but his eyes were black pebbles, and he looked warily at Varen. Despite the fact that he, you know, seems to look down on everybody else. Because you don't look down on an Aes Sedai, so he's, he's keeping it. 
very, very uh, cautious. He's like, Grace honors me with your presence, I said I. And it's Barthenus Demodred, the lord of the manor. And his voice is deep and sure. Um, he sweeps his eyes across the others, and he's like, Ooh, I was not expecting a distinguished company, Lord Ingtar, friend Ogier. But his bow is little more than barely a nod of the head. And it's... <laughs> He, he knows how powerful he is, let's put it that way. Then he turns to Rand and addresses him. You excite much comment in the city and in the houses. Perhaps we will have a chance to talk this night. And according to his tone, he wouldn't miss this chance for anything. We wouldn't miss the opportunity for the world. And he basically all but promises that they're going to have that conversation tonight. But he didn't really get excited about anything in particular, but his eyes slide a little bit over them. And Ingtar, Loyal, and Varen. He's like, eh, be welcome. And then he gets drawn away, or I should say, he lets himself be drawn away, um, by a handsome woman who laid a beringed hand buried in lace on his arm. Presumably his wife, but it's Kyrian, so it has a chance it's not. <laughs> um, but there's a murmur of conversation, and the juggler keeps doing what he was doing before they had arrived. And... Tumblr's never even stopped. A uh, bunch of things are going on. It's pretty, you know, entertaining. But none of the Kyrianians seem to be giving them the slightest time of day. Varen and Ingtar decide to head into the crowd and, you know, scout about and chat with people like, you know, a real lord and a real I said I would. Shinar gets a few wary looks, but... You know, all in all, that's not that bad. <clears throat> but some look at, you know, Varen with wide eyes, worried frowns, like a rabid wolf within arm's reach, you know, because eyes of dire. Quite terrifying when it comes to plots and plans. And they don't want to get caught up into the one that costs them something. But Varen's non-favored looks and frowns come more from men rather than women. But even some of the women decided to stop and speak with her. But Rand finally notices that Matt and Huron had already left to go to the kitchens, where all the serpents would come with the guests to be, you know, hanging out until they're sent for. That makes you wonder who's sending for them. I'm assuming Barthenis's servants have like a rotating shift of some sort. But he's like, eh, hopefully they won't be able they will be able to get away if they need to. So Loyal bends down to speak into his ear for him alone, and he's like, Rand, we have a waygate nearby. I could feel it. Rand's like, wait, this was an Ogier Grove? He's like, well, sitting Sofu had not been found again when it was planted. Or maybe the Ogier who built Alcare Rhinalan wouldn't have not needed a grove to remind them of the setting. This was all forest when I came through Kyrian before, and it belonged to the king. And of course, this is the most throwaway line I have ever seen in a book to basically explain how they came to this point. It, honestly, I thought this was a bit lazy on RJ's part. Or Rand's like, Barthenis probably took it away in some plot. <laughs> It's like, you don't say. <laughs> it's like, it's the laziest way to basically tie up an interesting concept and just throw it to the side nice and neat and under the bed, maybe under a couple rugs, you know, whatever. However you can disperse of it. Give you an answer as to how it came by it. <laughs> but Rand looks around the room. He's a bit nervous still. and. People are talking, but 
several people were watching him and Loyal, and he couldn't see Ingtar, so there's plenty of nobles nearby. And Varen stands in the middle of a bunch of women. He's like, well, I, it'd be really nice if we could stick together. And Loyal responds with, well, Varen says we shouldn't, because it would make them all suspicious and angry. I think we were holding ourselves, you know, plotting. We have to get rid of the suspicion until Matt and Huron find whatever it is they need to find. Obviously not wanting to tell everybody exactly what they're here for. He's like, I know what they, I know what she said, Loyal. Like, I was there. <laughs> but if he's, if Barthenis is a dark friend, he gotta know why we're here. Going off by ourselves is just asking to be knocked on the head. Which, to be fair to Rand, is a valid point from his perspective. But Loyal's like, well, Varen said he won't do anything until he can find out if he can make use of us or not. Just do what she says. I said, I know what they're about. And he just strolls off and he gets circles of lords and ladies before he'd gone even 10 steps. But others started towards Rand now that he's by himself, but he goes in a different direction and hurries away. He's thinking in his head like, oh yeah, I said I know what they're about, but I wish I did. I don't really like this. I wish I, I wish if she was telling the truth, I mean, I said I should never lie, but the truth you may hear is not always the truth you think it is. So he keeps moving from place to place to avoid talking to nobles. And there's several other rooms, all filled with lords and ladies, different entertainers, three different gleemen in their cloaks, jugglers, tumblers, musicians playing flutes, bitterns, dulcimers, lutes, plus five different sizes of fiddle, six kinds of horns, straight or curved or curled, and ten sizes of drums from tambour to kettle. He looks at some of the horn players. The second look, those are the curled horns, but the instruments were all plain brass. He's like, they wouldn't have the Horn of Valir out here. Like, he's not a fool. Unless he means to have his dead heroes come out as part of the entertainment, which, knowing Barthanus, might not be a, too far of a reach, necessarily. But there's a bit of... There's a bard in silverworked... Tyron boots and yellow coat strolling through the rooms, plucking his harp and sometimes stopping to declaim in high chant. But he glares contemptuously at the Gleeman and doesn't linger in the rooms where they are. But Rand figured out there's like really little between them, between a bard and a Gleeman, except for maybe their clothes. And out of the blue, Barthanus is walking side by side with Rand. And a livered servant immediately offered. A silver tray with a bow, Barthenis takes a blown glass goblet of wine. And they're walking backwards ahead of them, still bowing. The servant holds the tray towards Rand till Rand shook his head, and then the servant melts into the crowd. I'm going to go ahead and read this part because it's a very intriguing and interesting conversation. And I hope I can do justice, considering my voice isn't quite where it should be at the moment. In case you hadn't noticed. You seem restless, Barthenis said, sipping. I like to walk. Rand wondered how to follow Varen's advice. And remembering what she, what she had said about his visit to the Omerlin, he settled into Cat Crosses the Courtyard. He knew no more arrogant way to walk than that. Barthenis's mouth tightened. And Rand thought perhaps the Lord found it too arrogant. But Varen's advice was all he had to go by, so he did not stop. To take some of the edge off, he said pleasantly, This is a fine party. You have many friends, and I've never seen so many entertainers. Many friends, Barthenis agreed. You could tell Galdrian how many and who. Some of the names might surprise him. I have never met the king, Lord Barthenis, and I don't expect I ever will. Of course, you just happen to be in that fly-speck village. You were not checking on the progress of retrieving that statue. A great undertaking, that. Yes. He had begun thinking of Aaron again, wishing she had given him some advice on how to talk with a man who assumed he was lying. He added without thinking, 
It's dangerous to meddle with things from the Age of Legends if you don't know what you're doing. Barthenis peered into his wine, musing as if Rand had just said something profound. Are you saying you do not support Galdrian in this? He asked finally. I told you, I've never met the king. Yes, of course. I did not know Enderman played at the great game so well. We do not see many here in Kyrian. Rand took a deep breath to stop from telling the man angrily that he was not playing their game. There are many grain barges from Andor on the river. Merchants and traders. Who noticed such as they? As well notice the beetles on the leaves. Barthenus's voice carried equal contempt for both beetles and merchants. But once again, he frowned as if Rand had hinted at something. Not many men travel in company with Aes Sedai. You seem too young to be a warder. I suppose Lord Ingtar is Varen Sedai's warder. We are who we said we are, Rand said, and grimaced. Except me. Barthenis was studying Rand's face almost openly. Young. Young to carry a heron mark blade. I am less than a year old, Rand said automatically, and immediately wished he had it back. It sounded foolish to his ear. But Varen had said act as if he had met with the Omerlin seat, and that was the answer Lan had given him. A borderman considered the day he was given his sword to be his name day. So, an Anderman, and yet borderland trained. Or is it warder trained? Barthenis's eyes narrowed, studying Rand. I understand Morgaze has only one son, named Garwin, I have heard. He must be much like him in age. I have met him, Rand said cautiously. Those eyes, that hair. I have heard the Adoran royal line has almost Aiel coloring in their hair and eyes. Rand stumbled. Through the f though the floor was smooth marble. I'm not Aiel, Lord Barthenis, and I'm not of the royal line either. As you say, you have given me much to think on. I believe we may find common ground when we talk again. Barthenis nodded and raised his glass in a small salute, then turned to speak to a gray-haired man with many stripes of color down his coat. Now, to cover all of that, that's quite the conversation, but very fun. Um, there's another part after this that's immediately related to this, but I don't want to jump into it until after I cover this section. So, Barthed is popping out of nowhere. I personally did like, because it's like he catches him off guard and Rand's not paying attention or really keeping his guard, so it tells you what's going on. Um, Rand tries to show arrogance by using Cat, cross Cat Crosses the Courtyard and is also trying to show off, more or less, his sword styles and his training with a sword. Um, Barthenis starts to begin to delve more or less into Rand's background, trying to figure out things about him. And the first time, first few times I read to this, I didn't really get everything that was said. And every time I read it, I feel like I pick up something new. Some of the things are Barthenis mentioning, um, you know, his, his talking with the king and whatnot, like, you know, stumbling across that st that statue is literally an impossibility. Like, there's no way you could just accidentally stumbled across this village. You must be, you know, you know, supporting Galdrian in some shape or form, the king. 
And Ryan's like, well, no, it's dangerous to meddle with the things of the Age of Legends if you don't know what you're doing. Which only a lord would know. <laughs> or in this case, a uh, <clears throat> an Aes Sedai trained <laughs> uh, politician. Um, and basically, this catches Barthanus a little bit off guard. Like he's saying something pretty profound and Barthanus is like oh so you don't actually support Galdrian and he's like oh, well I said it. I never met the king and I meant it yeah I, I of course of course I didn't realize that Enderman played the great game very well which they do play in Andor but they don't play it to the extent nor as often as they do in Kyrian Kyrian it's like rats everywhere and Andor, they have a little bit more respect for themselves. But Andor and Kyrian aren't particularly overtly fond of each other. So they don't they don't have a whole lot of Kyrian going to Andor and Andor and going to Kyrian in terms of the nobility. Sure, trade and whatnot might show up. Thus the Andor and grain barges and the river. Merchants and traders and such. That's to be expected. But I did find it strange because... When Rand points out the grain barges that are merchants and traders... That's like, those are the Andorans I've seen. So, the only Andorans <coughs> he has seen... Are... Specifically merchants and traders. People that show up, sell their wares, move on. For the most part. There's obviously going to be an exception to some rule. But for the most part, he hasn't seen anything related to Endoran inside of Kyrian. Probably more inside the inner city. There might be one or two, maybe a small group of them out in the foregate since it's heavily populated and might run into one one or the other but it's also not like he's been spending forever and ever amen out there and it'd be really hard for one guy to spot a very small number and have to have some ridiculous luck and even if he does have ridiculous luck he might not have a reason to see them so the pattern's just like eh, we'll let it slide but i'm i'm expecting it there to be outsiders just not as many as they might expect but with this, Barthenis basically confirms that, you know, psh, these, these people are just, you know, merchants and traders. Not only just showing contempt for them, not because they're necessarily Andorans, but because they're merchants and traders. They're not nobles. He has no reason to respect them because they're not nobles. They are beneath him. But this, this particular... I don't know what you'd really call it. This particular uh, notice from Rand kind of pings Barthenis's curiosity and he, you know, thinks about, like, maybe he's saying something about this. But then he points out, like, oh, you know, you are you seem to be too young to be a warder, but maybe Lord Ingtar's the warder. And he's like, no, well, we're just we're the, we're what we are. He's like, ah, oh, very young to carry a heron mark blade. I'm less than a year old. Basically cementing in like, yeah, I'm 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 a new sword master, blade master. Um and uh less than a year old could mean literally from I started today to um three hundred and sixty-four days old. <laughs> like anything under three sixty-five but higher than zero. Um, so I would say he's probably closer to several months in, if not like six months in or so in that range is probably more accurate to how old he actually is with the blade, but he had a really good trainer with Lan. So, um, with all of this, he's like, well, Barthanus is trying to figure out, like, well, how how are you an Anderman, border trained, or maybe warder trained, thinking that maybe Ingtar trained him? 
ironically, he is warder trained, <laughs> which is not Ingtar. <laughs> it's Lan. Um, but then he, he peeks to a curiosity that I didn't catch the interesting, like, the details of this. And it's something to, it's something to think about later on in the series um, as to why this is. And it's it's very interesting noticing back to the history of Andor and the royal family, considering who the original queen was and the rest of the people afterwards. It's a very uh, odd outcome for where it starts. Let's put it that way. I don't know if it was just Robert Jordan putting it down just to put it down or what, but I don't think he was taking into the fact that biology does exist even in fantasy realms. Um, that's his thing, I guess, but, um, you can look into that if you'd like, I'm not going to get into it cause it's not really super pertinent, but this particular part coming out later, like saying that Morgays has only one son named Gawain, which is him going and not mentioning the half son or the son that's the half son of, uh, I, be, I, I might have actually been a Damadred, uh, if I remember his name. I'm, it's blanking out on me now, but um, Morghese's former lover slash husband. I'm not really sure how you look at it. Uh, it's been a while since I've had to study that particular section. But essentially, Morghese had Gawain before, or not Gawain, Galad, before having Gawain and Elaine. And with a different man than having, you know, uh, Gawain and Elaine. So Galad's like half Andoran, half, um, Kyrianan, Kyrianan and Andoran's his background. So it's interesting that Barthanus doesn't mention that and just says, I understand he has only one son. Now this could be him checking to see like, Oh, do you really know how many sons she has? Do you really know the line and etc.? And for my side of things, I think Rand fails because he's like, oh, I've met Gawain and Galad. He could have said that basically cementing the fact that he's a noble because not every like everybody might know of Galad and Gawain, but not everybody necessarily knows the details about them, which Barthenis points out. You know, Gawain, you must be in similar age. You know, eyes, hair. Andorran royal line has almost Aiel coloring in their hair and eyes. Insinuating that Barthanus thinks that Rand is part of the royal lineage. Now, the ironic part is, is that the part I didn't always catch was the fact that Barthanus thinks that Rand is Gawain because of his appearance and the fact that he is a noble. And it makes sense for a noble to have a swordmaster, or I should say the royal line and nobility to have a swordmaster or a blade master in their lineage because they'd get trained. And if he's the son of the queen, he probably has some of the best trainers one can get. Um, but... It's that little hint that's saying like, oh, you're actually Gawain. You know, <laughs> yeah, so the son Gawain, oh, I've met him. Conveniently, <laughs> is what Barthanus is thinking. It's like, I'm sure you have every morning looking into the mirror. <laughs> but um, he points out his, his, basic, uh, his basic traits. And Rand's like, but I'm not Aiel. I'm not of the royal line either. And he's like, oh, so I have much to think on. Uh, we might find some common ground when we talk again. Which is probably him thinking, this is Gawain of Andor's royal lineage. And you could help me take the throne from Galdrian. That's a lot of power the royal family would hold. And Barthanus is already as powerful, if not more powerful, than Galdrian is. 
So having both of them combined, if he was in fact Gawain and it was in fact backed by the Andorran line, he could probably really easily take over the uh, Carian crown. So all that to be said, market in your, your books or your whatever it is you want to do to just like put it down and save it for later. Tuck it away for save it for later. Um, and basically a, a new part after this would be Rand, you know, well, I, I'm going to just read it just because it, it points out to a lot of things that it speaks to the culture of game, the game of houses. Rand shook his head and moved on away from more conversation. It had been bad enough talking to one Kyrian Lord. He did not want to risk two. Barthanus appeared to find deep meanings in the most trivial comments. Rand realized he had just now learned enough Deus de Mar to know he had no idea at all how it was played. Matt, Huron, find something fast so we can get out of here. These people are crazy. So, I love this because, like, all the things that just went through and even, like, Gawain's alleged theory and whatnot... Um, Barthenis is looking to find deep he's, he's literally looking so far in between the lines he could write a book about it just like a single word that is said even the most trivial comments and I love this line Rand realized he had now or he had just now learned enough of Deus de Mar to know he had no idea at all how it was played which is a funny line honestly in my opinion So, Deus de Mar is so complicated that a person playing it doesn't even necessarily know they're playing it, or potentially could, but doesn't necessarily know. But you never know, I guess. That's kind of the point, I guess. And part of the pun slash the joke. <clears throat> but then he goes into a different room, and... The gleeman at the end of it, strumming his harp and reciting a tale from The Great Hunt of the Horn, was none other than Tom Marilyn. Surprise! Rain stops dead. Tom did not seem to see him, but the gleeman's gaze passed over him twice, and there's no way he's not going to notice who he is. But it's, you know, Tom's going to do what he's meant to before, which is, he said he wanted a clean break, so they're going to give him a clean break. But because Rand had stopped, this woman appears and pretty much just jumps right in front of him and puts a hand on his chest. And Lace falls back, she sees a soft wrist, and her head did not quite come to his shoulder, but her tower of curls pretty much reached his eyes which tells you how tall her hair is they like to be tall but they want to be tall through any means necessary rather than actually being legitimately tall and there's the description of her dress which isn't really important but she announces that her name is Elaine Chiliandred and that he is the famous Randall Thor. And she basically comments that what everybody else was thinking, which is, in Barthenis's own manner, he, yes, he has the right to speak to you first, but we're all fascinated by what we hear of you. Even she's like, I even hear you play the flute. Can that be true? <laughs> and I did find this interesting because if you've ever watched like American Pie or something uh, you know this one time a band camp thing this has multiple meanings potentially to it not necessarily in his terms but you'll you'll see in a second it's like I play the flute and he's like how did she called when everybody does hear everything in Kyrian he's like well if you excuse me he's like oh I've heard that some outland lords play music, but I never believed it. And I would like very much to hear you play. Perhaps you will come, you know, talk with me and 
of this and that. Parthenus seems to find you and your conversations fascinating. But my husband spends his day sampling his own vineyards, leaving me quite alone. He is never there to talk with me. One thing popping up right there. Big red flag. Rand being his innocent little self, saying, you must miss him. <laughs> and Rand's trying to, like, edge around her in her wide skirts. But she gives a tinkling last laugh as if he had said the funniest thing in the world which is i mean it's got it's <laughs> it's pretty good i'm just gonna say that you know my husband's never there you must miss him <laughs> must and then a woman pops up next to uh elaine not elaine elaine by the way um and they're about the same age, which is about a good 10 years older than Rand himself. So they're close to their, in their late 20s, early 30s. And he's like, do you think you're going to keep him to yourself, Elaine? And the two women smile at each other while their eyes throw daggers at each other. And the second one turns her smile to Rand. He's like, I am Belaver Osilin. Are all Endermen so tall and so handsome? And he clears his throat. He's like, uh, some are tall, but pardon me, but if you will. She continues on. I saw you talking with Barthanus. They say you know Galdrian as well. You must come see me and talk. My husband is visiting our estates in the south. Another red flag. <laughs> and then Elaine's, of course, like, you have the subtlety of a tavern wench. <laughs> uh, I love these insults amongst noble women. I wish there were more of them in this. And then she's hissing at her and then immediately smiles at Rand. He's like, she has no polish. A man could like a woman or how no man could like a woman with a manner so rough. Bring your flute to my manner and we will talk. Perhaps you'll teach me to play. That's an office moment right there. And that's that's a flag. And then Belliver just bounces off of that with saying what Elaine thinks of subtlety is but lack of courage. A woman who wears a heron-marked sword must be brave, and truly is a heron-marked blade, is it not? And he's, Rand starts trying to like, back away slowly. He's like, oh, if you just excuse me, I... And they follow step for step until he hits the wall with his back. And their skirts basically are a wall in front of him. So he jumps as the third woman crowds in beside the other two. Her skirts join together on the wall side. And she's older than them, but just as pretty. With an amused smile that doesn't seem to get any smaller. And she has very sharpness of her eyes. It's like she wears half again as many stripes as they did, both Elaine and Belavere. And they made tiny curtsies and glared at her sullenly. And the older woman's like, are these two spiders trying to toil you in their webs? Half the time they tangle themselves more firmly than anyone else. Come with me, my fine young Andrew, and I will tell you some of the troubles they would give you. For one thing, I have no husband to worry about. Husbands always make trouble. And so it's like red flag, red flag. Um, but it's uh, the subtleties. These are things you don't pick up the first couple read throughs, but it is quite hilarious. So Rand looks over Elaine's head to see Tom straightening from a bow that no one Gave him applause or notice. And a grimace, the Gleeman snatches a goblet from the tray of a startled servant. Probably startled that a Gleeman would have taken anything from the tray. And then Rand's all of a sudden like, oh, I see my somebody I'm to speak to. And he tells the woman, squeezed out of the box they had put him in, just as the last woman reached for his arm. All three stared after him as they heard the Gleeman. <laughs> hey, he's quite the popular guy. What can we say? I'm going to read this next part. It's a little longer, I think, than the other one. Well, actually, probably not. It's actually probably a little bit shorter now that I think about it. Yeah, it's a little bit shorter. But it's no less fun. Tom eyed him over the lip of the goblet, then took another long swallow. Tom, I know you said a clean break, but I had to get away from those women. All they wanted to do was talk about their husbands being away, but they were already hitting at other things. Tom choked on his wine and Rand slapped his back. You drink too fast. Something always goes down the wrong way. 
Tom, they think I am plotting with Barthenist, or maybe Galdrian, and I don't think they will believe me when I say I am not. I just needed an excuse to leave them. Tom stroked his long mustaches with one knuckle and peered across the room at the three women. They were still standing together, watching Rand and him. I recognize those three, boy. Brianne Taberwin alone would give you an education such as every man should have at least once in his life, if he could live through it. Worried about their husbands. I like that boy. Abruptly, his eyes sharpened. You told me you were clear of Aes Sedai. Half the talk here tonight is of the Endoran Lord appearing with no warning, and an Aes Sedai at his side. Barthanus and Galdrian. You've let the White Tower put you in the cooking pot this time. She only came yesterday, Tom. And as soon as the horn is safe, I'll be free of them again. I mean to see to it. You sound if it isn't safe now, Tom said slowly. You didn't sound that way before. Dark friends stole it, Tom. They brought it here. Barthenis is one of them. Tom seemed to study his wine, but his eyes darted to make sure no one was close enough to listen. More than the three women were watching them with sideway glances while pretending to talk amongst themselves, but every knot maintained its distance away from every other. Still, Tom spoke softly. A dangerous thing to say if it isn't true, and more dangerous if it is. An accusation like that against the most powerful man in the kingdom? You say he has the horn? I suppose you're after my help again, now that you've tangled with the White Tower once more. No. He had decided Tom had been right, even if the Gleeman did not know why. He could not involve anyone else in his troubles. I just wanted to get away from those women. The Gleeman blew out his mustaches, taking aback. Well... Yes, that is, that is well. The last time I helped you, I got a limp out of it. And you have seemed to let yourself be tied to Tarvalon's string again. You'll have to get yourself out of this one this time. He sounded as if he were trying to convince himself. I will, Tom. I will. Just as soon as the horn is safe and Matt has the bloody dagger back. Matt, Huron, where are you? So a couple things I found to be interesting is that Tom nearly, you know, dies. <laughs> That's the first thing to notice um, due to the things being hinted at and mentioned in Husbands. Um, but Tom's surprised, if or maybe not surprised, that Rand is tangling with Aes Sedai again. Still no love lost there. Um, but Barthanus and Galdrian's getting to be a thing, and, you know, eh, that's safe. But then, you know, hey, we gotta find the horn and get it safe. And Tom's like, well, I thought you said it was safe. Oh, it was dark friends. By the way, Barthanus is a dark friend. And Tom's like, oh, that's pretty dangerous. Now, this is something that I did not catch on to for the first several read-throughs, so I'm going to just point it out. Mark this part heavily in for the next few chapters and whatnot, because it's going to become very apparent fairly quickly. And you'll see why eventually. It doesn't make sense now. But more than three women were watching them with sideways glances while pretending to talk amongst themselves, but every knot maintained its distance from every other. Very obvious. People are noticing that a lord is talking to a gleeman, let alone one that he said he must speak with. This is kind of a slip-up, in my opinion. Um, but then, you know, Tom's like, well, I guess you need help from good old Tom Marilyn, right? Nope. I just wanted to get away from those women. Well... Of course, that yeah, that as well. Then the last time I helped you, got a limp out of it, and yeah, you're on your own, good sir. Like he's 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 trying to convince himself, uh, which is kind of adorable, actually. 
So, fun little conversation. Always good fun dialogue when there's Tom Marilyn in it. But then, after this thought of, you know, Matt and Huron, where are you at? It's practically a summon, and Huron appears in the room, eye-searching amongst the lords and ladies. They looked right through him. Servants did not exist unless needed. He finds Rand and Tom. He makes his way between the small clusters of nobles and bows to Rand. Well, my lord, I was sent to tell you. Your manservant had fallen and twisted his knee. I don't know how bad, my lord. And Rand just stares for a second and then realizes what's, you know, being said. There's a lot of eyes on him. So he speaks loudly enough for the nobles closest to overhear. He's a clumsy fool. What good is he to me if he can't walk? I suppose I'd better come see how badly he's hurt himself. Basically giving himself a reason to leave. And that's according to Huron's face and his voice, the right thing to have said. So he bows and he's like, as my, lord wish, as my lord wishes, if my lord will follow me. And Tom's like, you play very well at being a lord, but remember this. Kyrian and May play Deus de Mar, but it was the White Tower that made the great game in the first place. Watch yourself, boy. And then he glares at the nobles. He sets his empty goblet on a trail of a passing servant and strolls away, plucking his harp, reciting Good Wife Millie and the Silk Merchant. Which, from the previous flags, you can kind of guess what it is. And Rand's like, lead on, man! And he feels absolutely, absolutely foolish. And he follows the sniffer out of the room. But he could feel the eyes of the people in the room following him. And that is it for chapter 32! Ugh, it's quite the wild ride. But... Hopefully we covered enough in detail stuff that you guys might have learned something new and see all the little things that are tied together in some ways. I'm sure you'll know some in the near future as well as some in the very distant future. It's one of the nice things about Robert Jordan is he does have a tendency to tie things together. There are some things that don't get tied together, but that could be because of lack of time or the fact that he never had a chance to because of his untimely passing. But you'll come to see that there's a lot of things that are tied together. And the things that aren't, well, you can kind of just make up your own little theories in your head or not care about them. It's up to you. <laughs> but some of the stuff is really fun to learn. So I'm glad you guys all got to hang out. And uh, hopefully you guys will reach out and, you know, leave a comment or something and let me know what you guys think. I'm always open to hearing suggestions to potentially make the podcast better or I love hearing from you guys and questions you have and seeing if I can find answers to them and whatnot and maybe put that in a podcast episode for you guys to hear sometime. So if you ever need to get a hold of me for whatever reason or just wanted to say hi or something or send your wonderful, wonderful hate mail <laughs> more often than not, I'd assume that'd be it. Um, you can reach me at my Gmail account, which is tales of a red arm at gmail.com. Or you can reach me on Twitter and Facebook, either one for Twitter. It's at tales of a red arm. And on Facebook, it's just tales of a red arm. And however you want to do it, you can do it in a direct message, private message, whatever. Or you can just, on Twitter and Facebook at least, comment on something else I've already gone over. And I can, you know, add that to the list of things I can do. And I, I find it just as much fun as you guys would be eager to hear about it and learn about it. So don't hesitate. And, uh, yeah. Uh, hopefully you all enjoyed this. Uh, I know it's not always a super long episode. It's... <laughs> being just me has made it a lot easier to go through these a little bit quicker so hopefully it's not terrible for you guys i know some of you like the longer episodes some of you might prefer smaller episodes but whatever i can do to get the chapter done um except for the big chapters are probably gonna split into two episodes depending on how long they actually are but 
yeah so uh, i'm glad everybody got to stop by and listen in and uh, hopefully you guys join me the next time for chapter 33 and it's it's gonna get really interesting so hopefully you guys will join me but until the next episode i'll see you guys around have a good one We'll toss the dice however they fall When some of the girls be they short or tall Then follow young Matt wherever he goes To dance with Jack of the Shadows We'll toss the dice however they fall When some of the girls be they short or tall Then follow Lord Matt wherever he goes To dance with Jack of the Shadows We'll give a yell with a bloody curse And hog the mags, it could be worse Let's ride away with the dark woods first To dance with Jack of the Shadows